0: Hello and welcome back to Read This Next with Ruth and Nicole. Uh this week we're doing a a topic that was inspired by one of our youth action council uh members actually. Uh they suggested we do Something about like the glitz and glamour that's kind of in the seven husbands of a uh, Evelyn hmm. I get it mixed up. There's the seven and a half deaths of eleven. Nope. There's one with El, El- you <laughs> Evelyn mean Hugo. Hugo. And then there's one there's one about husbands and one about dying. And seven
1: they- husbands of Evelyn Hugo.
0: And then there's one that's like the seven and a half deaths of Elizabeth Hardcastle? Okay. Just to mess with your mind. Yeah. And they both came out relatively around the same time.
1: Well, I as long like as you don't confuse you. them
0: when you're reading them. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, the the theme is 1920s scandal and glamour intrigue, but mostly we're doing murder mysteries. Uh, so Ruth is going to kick us off with the first one, but that is the general vibe of the books that we've got going on today.
1: and this one totally has like the glam cover with gold it's called bindle punk bruya um and so it's actually it's interesting it's a part-time reporter and club owner takes on crooked city councilmen mysterious and deadly mobsters and society's deeply rooted sexism and racism all while keeping her true identity and magical abilities hidden it's actually inspired by an ancient mexican folktale and it's We've sort of got some more description here. So, yo soy quien soy. I am who I am. Luna, or depending on who's asking, Rose, is the white passing daughter of an immigrant mother who has seen what happens to people from her culture. This world is prejudicial and she must hide her identity in pursuit of owning an illegal jazz club. Oh my God, there's just so much already going on here. <laughs> I know. Uh, so, like, we're talking about multiple ways of breaking the law of the time right off the hop. Uh, So using her cunning powers, Rose negotiates with dangerous criminals as she climbs up Kansas City's bootlegging ladder. Luna, however, runs the risk of losing everything if the crooked city councilmen and ruthless mobsters discover her ties to an immigrant boxcar community that secretly houses witches. The last thing she wants is to put her entire family in danger. But this Bruya, with ever-growing magical abilities can never resist a good fight. With her new identity, Rose, an unabashed flapper, defies societal expectations, all the while struggling to keep her true self and witchcraft in check. However, the harder she tries to avoid scrutiny, the more her efforts eventually capture unwanted attention. Soon she finds herself surrounded by greed and every brand of bigotry, from local gangsters who want a piece of the action and businessmen who hate her diverse staff, to the Ku Klux Klan and Al Capone. Will her earth magic be enough to save her friends and family? As much as she hates to admit it, she may need to learn to have faith in others and learning to trust may prove to be her biggest ambition yet. And the cover, like I go back that it's this glam cover with the flapper. Mm -hmm. And I guess the uh, illusion, it alludes to her earth magic as she's holding, it looks like a little golden tree growing in the palm of her hand.
0: Yeah. It's honestly one of the best, not I was not the best cover of all time, but it it very uh much tells
1: you what the book is about, which I yeah. really like. It's so evocative, and I'm sorry, I did not note at the beginning that this is by Desideria Mesa mm. and is available through Cloud Library.: Yeah. yeah, like but it just looks amazing.: It does. It looks really
0: good. Um, this next one is, "Oh, I accidentally lost the cover. let me hit control Z, there we go. Um, you can barely see it, but that's okay.
1: There it's we go. It's also gorgeous.
0: It is. So this is an, uh, this is actually a YA one. I know that we have it at Mary J. Because <laughs> I've seen it there and I'm like, oh, this one's got to go on display. It's so pretty. <laughs> but this is Hotel Manifique by Emily J. Taylor. Um, so it says for fans of Caraval and The Night Circus, which are amazing books. Uh, all her life, Janie has dreamed of elsewhere. Just barely scraping by with her job at a tannery, she's resigned to a, a dreary life in the port town of Dirk, caring for her younger sister, Zoza. That is until the Hotel Magnifique comes to town. The hotel is legendary for not only its whimsical enchantments, but also for its ability to travel, appearing in a different destination every morning. While Janie and Zosa can't afford the exorbitant costs of a guest stay, they can interview to join the staff and are soon whisked away on the greatest adventure of their lives. But once inside, Janie quickly discovers their contracts are unbreakable and, be- and that beneath the marvellous glamour, the hotel is hiding dangerous secrets. With the vexingly handsome doorman Belle as her only ally, Janie embarks on a m- mission to unravel the mis- Oh, I can't... I'm losing it today. Janie embarks on a mission to unravel the mystery of the magic at the heart of the hotel and free Zosa and the other staff from the cruelty of the ruthless Maître D Hotel. Maider d' Hotel. I was gonna say, is it Maître D Hotel? Maitre d'Hotel. There you go. <laughs> uh, to succeed, she'll have to risk everything she loves, but failure would mean a fate worse than far fate far worse than never returning home.
1: Yeah. So you know what's interesting here is the first two, like we were like, okay, 1920s glamour, scandal, but our first two also have some magic woven in, which is interesting and very different magic in the two Mm -hmm. of them, like the earth magic of the witch who's also hiding, you know, the rest of her community. But now this like traveling hotel, which is pretty intriguing. There was, I cannot for the life of me remember what list it
0: was that Laura and I did, but it was interesting looking at when people do retellings of the of our like history where they change it a little bit. Oh, like alternate histories? Yeah, but it wasn't alternate history. Oh, like that wasn't what our list was called. It was I can't remember. Either way, it was um a lot of them show women and they all have kind of different powers, which mm-hmm. was really cool cuz a lot of times history is focused on men, so it's it, right. it was really neat catching that pattern before. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too, that like often when we do sort of delve into like I know you're saying it wasn't an alternate history, but those sorts, there's often like some sort of magic or some sort of technology that is quite beyond us that it almost feels magical, even if it's uh, Mm -hmm. set up as technology. Yeah. Yeah. So like are there contracts? Is it like is does the hotel move by magic? Does it move by some sort of like unknown tech? These unbreakable contracts? Same kind of questions, right? Until we read it. Yeah. So our next one then is The Boy in the Red Dress. Uh, This is by Kristen Lambert. And we've highlighted that it's an LGBTQ book. Yes. Um, So that's always interesting. I mean, The Boy in the Red Dress might be a good hint. Mm -hmm. But uh, really cool cover. He looks very glam in that red dress.
0: Mm -hmm. And Um,
1: she's also dressed as. uh, In a more masculine outfit. Yeah. Yeah. But flappers as well in this one. So yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's I I actually think this is one of those times where I really want to share what it says on the cover. Sure. He's not a killer. She's the only one who can prove it. So very intriguing. (laughs) And we're starting New Year's Eve 1929. Millie is running the show at the Cloak and Dagger, a swinging speakeasy in the French quarter while her aunt is out of town. The New Year is just around the corner and all of New Orleans is out to celebrate. But even wealthy partiers' diamond earrings can't outshine the real star of the night, the boy in the red dress. Marion is the club star performer, and his fans are legion, if mostly underground. When a young socialite wielding a photograph of Marion starts asking questions, Millie wonders if she's just another fan. But then her body is found crumpled in the courtyard, dead from an apparent fall off the club's balcony, and all signs point to Marion as the murderer. Millie knows he's innocent but local detectives aren't so easily convinced as she chases clues that lead to cemeteries and dead ends. Millie's attention is divided between the rye and beautiful olive, a waitress at the cloak and dagger and Benny, the charming bootlegger who's offered to help her solve the case. The clock is ticking for the fugitive Marion, but the truth of who the killer is might be closer than Millie thinks. Sounds good.
0: Love Mm. the LGBTQ rep. Sounds like it's not just one character.
1: Which yeah is great and it's got like like again going back to the cover, like it's got a really like retro feel, quite a different feel from the others all that we've talked about so far, although they've mm-hmm. all featured gold, yep um but it's got kind of like I don't know, it just reminds me of some like old paperbacks, you know yeah, in, in the, the art best style. possible way.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it looks really good. And I'm uh, it seems to be another one where there is LGBTQ rep, but it's not the point of the story. It just is in it, which is fabulous. Um, Okay, this next one is only available on Cloud Library, at least at the time that I made these lists. So we could have gotten it in the collection since. But and we may add it to the collection in the future, too. La la. Uh, This is A Gentleman's Murder by Christopher Huang. The year is 1924 and Lieutenant Eric Peterkin, formerly of the Royal Fusiliers, is a member of the Britannia, London's most prestigious club. It's a family tradition, but an honour he's not so sure he quite deserves. So, when a gentleman wagers with one man dead in the vault under a club... No, that's not right. So, when a gentleman's wager ends with one man dead in the vault under the club, Eric is only is only too ready to tackle the mystery head on. Eric's quest to resolve the murder quickly becomes an investigation of mysterious wartime disappearances. It draws him from the marbled halls of the Britannia to the shadowy remains of the dilapidated war hospital to the heroin dens of Limehouse. Eric faces a matryoshka? Matryoshka. There you go. Doll of murder, vice, and secrets. Oh, that's a nesting doll. Yep. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, (laughs) like me. (laughs) Uh, And secrets pointing to not only the officers of his own club, but the very investigator assigned by Scotland Yard. Threatened with expulsion and dogged by the racist shadows of the Great War. Eric presses on nonetheless. But can he snare the killer before his own membership becomes a thing of yesterday? Again. Very
1: intriguing. Good description. I like the cover as well. I like it, but I'm now like, once you read the piece about the Matryoshka doll, I was like, oh, that would have been interesting to do like some sort of nesting doll cover. Mm. This is a much more serious cover. And I guess I, as soon as you read that or shared that, it made me kind of start envisioning how it could be. Yeah, Whereas this is like much more serious with the the newspaper headlines um, behind an image, which I'm going to assume is Lieutenant Peter or Eric Peterkin.
0: Hmm. Yeah. No. It sounds sounds very traditional in the way uh, it's gonna write the mystery, which mm-hmm. is which is cool. I should have also said that the boy in the red dress was a YA. Um, this one is a adult fiction.
1: Yeah, and YA is for everyone.
0: Absolutely. In my oh
1: so humble opinion. Oh yeah. Just it just it explains. The age group of the people that are the story. And sometimes the language that we encounter within our books, right? Yeah. Okay. Our next one is, it's got a pretty grim title. Yeah. Dead Dead Girls by Nikesa Afia. Uh, Another LGBTQ offering. And it is the first of a series, Harlem Renaissance Mystery. The first one, first outing for them. Mm Mm-hmm. Harlem 1926, young black women like Louise Lloyd are ending up dead. Following a harrowing kidnapping ordeal when she was in her teens, Louise is doing everything she can to maintain a normal life. She's succeeding too. She spends her days working at Maggie's Cafe and her nights at the Zodiac, Harlem's hottest speakeasy. Louise's friends, especially her girlfriend, Rosa Maria Moreno, might say she's running from her past and the notoriety notoriety that still stalks her, but don't tell her that. When a girl turns up dead in front of the cafe, Louise is forced to confront something she's been trying to ignore. Two other local black girls have been murdered in the past few weeks. After an altercation with a police officer gets her arrested, Louise is given an ultimatum. She can either help solve the case or wind up in a jail cell. Louise has no choice but to investigate and soon finds herself toe-to-toe with a murderous mastermind hell-bent on taking more lives, maybe even her own. This one seems heavy. I don't know. It it
0: does, but also it's kind of like the other ones where there's a few other ones in the list where it's specifically tackling racism. In, oh, for sure in murder mystery,
1: which is really neat. Yeah, it's. I think it's more. It feels heavy that it's like she's it's had this past trauma. Yeah, she has this past trauma, mm-hmm. and now it's like women are our die- girls are dying, and she probably would rather not work on the case. Probably. Um, But it's that or like being incarcerated herself. Like that I think that's why heavy came to mind. I'm like, this is a this is a no good choice situation
0: right yeah like this is the gritty version of the 1920s whereas the yes. other ones were a little bit more glitz yes yeah and I will and I'm not
1: seeing any magic to get her out of this
0: no I'm not seeing it either I will say it's interesting I think so far all of the ones that we have listed are all in different locations which is yeah. kind of cool like
1: um a lot of times not all like glitzy new york kind of thing because we've had new orleans we've had kansas city Mm -hmm. um now Mm -hmm. we're in harlem yeah i don't know um and obviously in london with the last one i'm trying to think where as we were going through the hotel magnifique i think that one's fictional yeah yeah it sounds fictional or maybe it's a real place that's very small so we're not aware of it, right? Maybe we need to work on our geography. We'll find (laughs) it. That could be as well. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's cool that they're, they're
0: not all, when you think of the 1920s, you tend to think of like a very specific location. So uh, I like that we're seeing it in different locales. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm. Agreed
0: this last one is Bright Young Dead uh, by Jessica Fellows so this is the second one in the Mitford murders series but I'm pretty positive you don't have to read these ones in order necessarily um, yeah it's not it's it's very much like a murder mystery right so you can kind of pick it up where yeah. wherever okay. Meet the bright young things, the rabble-rousing hedonists of the 1920s whose treasure hunts were a media obsession. One such game takes place at the 18th birthday party of Pamela Mitford, but ends in tragedy as cruel, charismatic Adrian Curtis is pushed to his death from a church neighboring the Mitford home. The police quickly identify the killer as Maid Dulcie. But Louisa, no, Louisa Cannon, chaperone to the Mitford girls and a former criminal herself, believes Dulcie to be innocent and sets out to clear the girl's name, all while the real killer may only be steps away. Short description, doesn't need much more, and it's just like,
1: here's the mystery, pick up this book. I like it. (laughs) And we've got another, like, glam cover. Like, there's a very glamorous looking woman on the cover. Mm-hmm. um but she's not really the focus you know there's the the car with the with its headlights on mm-hmm. which I'm very like intrigued at, you know what this means for the story because if you you know that brief description doesn't say anything about driving vehicles that kind of piece I mean I guess maybe the treasure hunts maybe they're screaming around maybe in they're in their 1920s vehicles um yeah just it's sort of and again, it's got like the really elegant um detail work on the cover, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, the next one's a learning opportunity. Okay. <laughs> this is very exciting. Yeah. The Poisoner's Handbook. Mm-hmm. Murder and the Birth of Forensic Medicine in Jazz Age, New York. So mm-hmm. now this is our second one in New York. Um, it's by Deborah Blum. And it's it's a little bit different from the others because it's equal parts, true crime, 20th century history and science thriller. Yeah. According- it's a cool book. Yeah. Very intriguing. So a, we'll go right into like the bigger description. A fascinating mm-hmm. jazz age tale of chemistry and detection, poison and murder. The Poisoner's Handbook is a page turning account of a forgotten era. In early 20th century New York, poisons offered an easy path to the perfect crime. Science had no place in the Tammany Hall-controlled coroner's office, and corruption ran rampant. However, with the appointment of Chief Medical Examiner Charles Norris in 1918, the poison game changed forever. Together with toxicologist Alexander Gettler, the duo set the justice system on fire with their trailblazing scientific detective work, triumphing over seemingly unbeatable odds to become the pioneers of forensic chemistry and gatekeepers of justice. Super cool to include it. Like we're Mm -hmm. mostly focused on fiction, but I feel like this, when you're reading those, not even just like the twenties, um, Murder mysteries, but like murder mysteries in general, having this understanding of how um, toxicology sort of started looking at poisonings mm-hmm. would be, I, I, it's like I've lost my words. Um, <laughs> but I think it would really inform our reading in an interesting way. That, yeah. I mean, hopefully it wouldn't lead to us super being super critical of authors when they get it wrong. Um, but it, like an not. interest, an interesting learning.
0: Yeah, there's um in our Agatha Christie episode that we did, there was another book, I think it was called A is for Arsenic, which also looked at how Agatha Christie uses poisons and things in her books. So if you are interested in this one, I would give that one a shot as well, because they both seem to focus on um, toxicology, like you yes. said, but specifically poison, which very cool topic, especially with mm-hmm. murder mysteries.
1: Yeah, Hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I have a note that said I really thought we did, did this one already, but we don't have it tracked, and I think it's because I was thinking of A as for arsenic, and I just Probably. remembered that now. <laughs> this last one that I'm going to be reading is uh, These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. It's a series. The year is 1962. Nope, 1926. <laughs> and Shanghai hums with the tune of debauchery. A blood feud between two gangs runs the streets red, leaving the city helpless in the grip of chaos. At the cent no, at the heart of it all is eighteen year old Julieta Kai, a former flapper who has returned to the returned to assume her role as the proud heir of the Scarlet Gang, a network of criminals far above the law. Mm. Their only rivals in power are the White Flowers, who have fought the Scarlets for generations, and behind every move is their heir. Roma montagov Juliet's first love and first betrayal just based on oh yeah i can see at the end we'll get there okay but when <laughs> the gangsters are both uh what but when gangsters on both sides show signs of instability uh culminating in clawing their own throats out the people start to whisper of a contagion a madness of a monster in the shadows and as the deck Deaths stack up, Juliet and Roma must set their guns and grudges aside to work together, for if they can't stop this mayhem, there will be no city left for either to rule. Uh, says perfect for fans of Last Magician and Descendants of the Crane, and it is a imaginative Romeo and Juliet retelling in 1920s Shanghai. Very cool. This is another YA, and when we, <laughs> the reason I was midway through, I was like Juliet, okay, Roma, Roma Montagov,
1: yeah, gotta be Romeo and Juliet, and it is. It's interesting too. Sometimes when you don't realize that when you start reading a book, mm-hmm. it's just. These characters they seem really familiar for some reason yeah yeah and Who's then tippled <laughs> either you like start putting the pieces together or sometimes you get to the author's note at the end and they bring the pieces together for you, which I always find yeah. interesting um I am a big big fan I'm gonna be totally honest there huge fan of reading author's notes. oh yeah um, if you read the book way off topic, not related at all. I don't care. The Cartographers, <laughs> um, by Peng Shepherd. Okay, I love it. It's an amazing book. But then when you read the author's note at the end, it just fleshes out so much more and and puts the book in context. Interesting. Which kind of it's it's um changes yeah. your reading of it. It, it. Yeah, it it just took it like that one step further and made me love the book more. Wow. So, I've never read an author's note that's made me love the book less. Hey, well, that's good news. <laughs> so I think they're they're worth giving a try because I know often we finish the story and we're either like, okay, it was fine. Or oh, it was so amazing. I wish it hadn't ended. Yeah. Um, and we might just like return it and not think about the author's notes. But yeah, if anyone goes and reads the cartographers and reads the author's note, get back to me. Love it. Yeah. put a note in the comment (laughs) in the comments.
0: Uh, yeah, but this one's a fairly popular one, but I think we've got
1: one last one and
0: then I'll wrap us up.
1: Yeah. All right. So our last one is the shrine is sorry, not the just shrines of gaiety by Kate Atkinson. So Mm -hmm. like well-known author, Mm -hmm. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous art deco type cover. It's, Mm -hmm. I love it. I, the gold, the blue, the cat tails. It just, it all kind of comes together for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we are, we're, we're actually, we're going back to London. So we are having some repeat locations, but it's the dazzling London of the roaring twenties in a whirlwind tale of corruption, seduction, and debts that have come due. So there is a lot going on here. We are once again in 1926 for at least the third time in this mm-hmm. list of books and in a country still recovering from the great war. London has become the focus for a delirious new light nightlife in the clubs of Soho peers of the realm rub shoulders with starlets, foreign dignitaries with gangsters and girls sell dances for a shilling a time. The notorious queen of this glittering world is Nellie Coker, ruthless, but also ambitious to advance her six children, including the enigmatic eldest Niven, Niven Niven, whose character has been forged in the crucible of the sum. But success breeds enemies, and Nellie's empire faces threats from without and within. For beneath the dazzle of Soho's gaiety, there is a dark underbelly, a world in which it is all too easy to become lost. With her unique Dickensian flair, Kate Atkinson gives us a window into a vanished world. Slyly funny, brilliantly observant, and ingeniously plotted, Shrines of Gaiety showcases the myriad talents that have made Atkinson one of the most lauded writers of our time. So our expectations aren't incredibly high based on this, yeah. um, but it does look like a really interesting read. Um, it's also interesting when, you know, you noted the the different locations mm-hmm. that with all of our U- U.S. ones pretty well, we're talking about bootlegging and speakeasies. But when we're in London or in our unknown um, town for the Hotel Magnifique, it we are, don't have those constraints.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. it
1: it actually takes the stories in a slightly different direction because there isn't that tension with the law, with gangsters, with crooked members of government.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a different vibe, which is very cool. Um, okay. I like that. So I'm just going to wrap up with the previously wrecked ones. So we have A Gentleman in Moscow, Gods of Jade and Shadow, Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, The Blue Castle, and Chosen and the Beautiful. So that being said, if you're interested in more titles, go check those ones out. As always, our links for titles and authors are in our show notes, which you can find at Um Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, do all that fun stuff and we'll see you all in two weeks. Bye!